Uh, the title of my message this morning, and it's part of the Heart of Revival series, and it's Where Love is Perfected. Where Love is Perfected. And I talked about last week, I talked about love uh, in a heart of revival, but specifically we looked at living in love with Jesus. But this morning I want to go the next step, which Jesus talked about the, the greatest commandment and the one like it. He said the greatest commandment, love God. And then next is to love your neighbor. And I want to look at that today and see what Scripture has to say about this love. Um, we get a lot of definitions of love just in the world. And I was thinking of what does love look like just in the earth? Uh, just have a general picture. Or uh, I was thinking about Hollywood. What is what does love look like in Hollywood? And there's all kinds of different things, and uh, not, some not, not so good. But you remember this movie, and, you know, actually, I don't remember it when it came out, but I do remember it, and it is Singing in the Rain. Did anybody remember that movie, Singing in the Rain? Uh, had Gene Kelly and uh, Debbie Reynolds? I believe so. No? Not Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie... Yes, it was Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie Reynolds. Yes. And uh, remember the whole title of that movie, Singing in the Rain, was based off of this song that he sang. So if you haven't seen it, all the young guys, all these young kids, no? You haven't never seen it? Anyway. Uh, Gene Kelly was an amazing dancer, tap dancer, but amazing dancer. Uh, Gene Kelly, his character, I think it's Rob and, and Kathy, he just is finishing a date with Kathy, and he kisses her for the first time, and he comes down off the stoop of where she lives, and it just begins pouring down rain. And he takes this umbrella, remember, and he puts it up, and he just begins to start singing because he was just leaving this one that he loves. He's like, I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. What a wonderful feeling. I'm happy again. And so he has this umbrella. The best thing is that he takes the umbrella and he just closes it up. The sun's in my heart. And he just keeps going on. And then he's just like dancing around, you know, and leaping. And I mean, I'm obviously not Gene Kelly. And it is just like the definition of a person in love. Right? And I think, I think for a lot of people in a generation, wow, that's what it looks like to be in love. Singing in the rain. It doesn't matter what's going on around you that you wouldn't let anything stop what's going on on the inside of you, that this love is going to have an incredible expression, then nothing will stop it. Well, you know, there was a, one who encountered incredible love in the New Testament with Jesus. And that was John. Not that all the other disciples didn't experience his love. They, they did. 
But there, there seems to be an even greater encounter. And John would even say, you know, the one that Jesus loved, you know. John would even say that about himself. And so it's interesting, and, and I love this verse, because I want, us, I, I want us to look at this love that God calls us to. And John, John uses this phrase in, in 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And it says, wow. And please don't think that they're not doing the scriptures in the back. Because I didn't give them the scriptures. And I'm just remembering it right now. <laughs> Jesus, I am so thankful for your forgiveness. So don't look at Miss Crystal. She's awesome. Oh, you do have them? Okay, you have them. Oh, my goodness. Thank God. I thought I did not bring them to you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I just totally thought stare that I didn't. Yeah. So you can't stare her down now. <laughs> Go ahead. Stare as much as you want. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Thank you, Crystal. And I'm so thankful for our sound booth people. They are, they are awesome. Um, 1, John, 1 John 2, verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And his commandments, actually John breaks down his commandments in chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. That's what John boils it down to. And believing in Jesus is equating to loving Jesus. So love Jesus and love one another. So this is how we know. And when we keep his commandments, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Woo, just don't hold it back there, John. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. I love this, that John uses the word perfected. The love of God has truly been, the agape of God has truly been perfected. John uses a word that, that is similar to what Jesus used on the cross. Jesus said on the cross, when he was finishing the work, he said, to die." And John uses that very word, uh, that very root word, and he says, tetelotai, that this love is finished in you. Isn't that amazing? I, I think that's incredible. That this finished work that Jesus did on the cross, now John pulls that same word and he says, now this love that Jesus displayed on the cross, all that he did, this incredible love, that he accomplished on your behalf, that he uses that love, and he puts that on the inside of you. And now, to tell us die in you. Now it is finished in you. He didn't just stop there. He actually gives more explanation of this perfected love that he wants to be demonstrated in us. So let's go to 1 John 4. Now if... 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. This is love chapter uh, 2.0. Okay? This is love chapter as well. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And this is agape love. He's talking agape, the preferred divine love uh, that is unconditional. When, when hesed, which is the, the loyal covenant love of God in the Old Testament, when it's translated into Greek, they use the word agape. Agape is a, a loyal covenant love of God, unconditional. Beloved, let us love one another. Let's agape one another. For agape is from God, and everyone who agapes is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God, for God is agape. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute. He stood in our place. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Wait a second. I thought, I thought Paul went to the third heaven. I thought there was others that saw God. You know, what I'm, you know what I believe that John is saying here? That we haven't seen the totality of God. He said, you haven't seen the totality of all that God is and his great love. But when we love, when we love one another, you begin to step into seeing who God is and that greatness of his love. By this we know we abide in him, that he is in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have testified to that, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so he goes on and and he talks about just this love that abides is to live and abide in us. And we have come to know, verse 16, and believe the love which God has, and it says, for us. We have come to know and believe this love that God has for us. But the word for for is actually ain. And ain is regularly translated in. For we have come to know and believe in the love which God has in us. I I like this. Now, it certainly is for us. But God's love, we just saw. That God's love is perfected where? It's perfected in us. And he said, uh, we know the love which God has in us that God has placed there by his Holy Spirit. That the love of God has been shed abroad. The reigning, I'm singing in the rain. The reigning of God's love has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. Romans 5.5. That's been poured into us. That perfected love, Jesus, to tell us die, it is finished love on the cross. He now pours that into me, into you, into everyone who trusts in him as their savior. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. And by this, love is what? Perfected. Completed. Tetelestai actually is a word, and it's the same thing. Tetelotai is really what's being, what he uses here. 
It is the words we, we, we usually talk about end times things. Those are, uh, those are teleos things. Those are end time things. And this is the same root word. It's, it's the finishing, the completion, the consummation that it is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. Wow, that the love of Christ was finished on the cross, but Jesus didn't stop there, that his love still is at work on the inside of us working to love the world today with all of us kids, with all of his kids that have called upon his name. And we have this confidence that he, we are that way. There is no fear in love, but perfect telos, telios, love, casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not to telotai in love, is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I love that this, this, uh, this perfect love is first given to us. That we don't perfect it by making it happen. Oh, I just got to love more. That why, why is this love perfected in us? Well, first, because we are its object. <laughs> that love has come and it's broken in. He's broken into our Egypt, right? We sang it this morning. That love broke in to me first because of what God has done for me, right? That that comes and it's, it's had its effect it's changed and transformed my life. And I was thinking of um, Charles Finney. And I've been reading, you know, a, a number of different revivals and, and sharing them with you. Hopefully you enjoy them. But uh, reading of Charles Finney. And Charles Finney was a revivalist of the late 1700s. Uh, I mean, most of his revivals were in the 1800s. Um, but he was the father of American revivalism. He, was, he grew up in or did most of his revivals in uh, New York. But this 29-year-old 20, lawyer uh, was being convicted, and he didn't know what to do with it. So he went out into the woods uh, and just went away, and he said, this is in Adams, New York. He said, I will give my heart to God, or I will never come down from the mountain. He said, after several hours, he returned to his office where he experienced such forceful emotion that he questioned those who could not testify to a similar encounter. He said, this is, this is how his encounter with God. The Holy Spirit seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through, through me, in going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed like it came in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. The next morning, Finney returned to his office to meet with a client whose case was about to, he was, he was about to argue. And he says, I have a retainer from the Lord Jesus Christ to plead his cause, and I cannot plead yours. But love did not stop there. You know, love had its object to invade Finney. Uh, Charles Finney with his love. But that didn't stop that the love that God poured into him then began to pour out of him and that 
he began to hold revivals all over New York. And from uh, 1857, I believe, to 58, thousands upon thousands of people experienced the love of God and changed their lives and gave their lives to Christ. And that they said that there was directly, he directly affected 100,000 people uh, receiving Christ as their Savior. But indirectly, his revivals reverberated around the earth and many, many looked to Finney as just the, the father of revival even. Which he is not. Obviously, God is the author and father of revival. But this finished work, this agape to telestai, or this, this, this finished, completed love, was to manifest, was to continue. That is perfected love. I, I see perfected love in its continuation in us. That it keeps going. That it's... Jesus accomplished it on the cross, but that it keeps having its effect on everyone around us as we keep giving ourselves to his love. It was perfected first in Christ, and now it's perfected in me. Well, is that going to mean that I'm going to have to be crucified with Christ? Paul says yes. God's love was intended for us, and it's transformed, and it's filled, and it's in its to flow in us and flow through us. And God created us with this love in mind that it would come and move and have its way and be poured out. That we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And we are predestined, we are predestined as sons, to be adopted as sons, to display this position that we have in Christ Jesus, in His love. So John would say, I'm loved of Jesus. He would boast about it. I'm loved of Jesus. And so that it would affect him and that it would affect what he would do. But this perfected love has another another way of working itself out. And I see this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. If you just go back here, and and Paul is is just talking to the Thessalonians about living uh, in the Spirit. Thessalonians 4, uh, 4, 9 and 10. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do not practice it toward all the brethren. uh, For indeed you do, not do not. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and more. To excel, the word uh, it means to increase, to grow, to abound. It, it's more and more and more. That, that this love is to increase. Perfected love is to increase, is to grow. Is our love growing? You know, the NASA discovered that, well, and they knew from years ago that the universe is expanding. Maybe some scientists in here, we know this. Uh, A few years ago, they discovered, oh, you know what? Our original understanding of the rate of expansion of the universe, um, we we didn't really recognize how 
how much it was. And so I think that we were off by 5 to 8%. And so they see that the, this universe is expanding. And as I was thinking about, and chuckling a little bit about trying to measure the expanse of how God expands things and how the universe is expanding, uh, and them trying to grasp hold of it, isn't that the nature of God? There is an expanse. Uh, we, we have in Isaiah, when Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah to come, of the increase of his government, what? There will be no end. It will just continue to increase. There is an increase of God. And that perfected love means that love is increasing. It's growing bigger and bigger. You know, when I first got well, we first started dating. I, I fall in love with Valerie. You know, we, we, we get married. I think, wow, you know, it's, how can I love any more, any, anyone more than my wife? And then we had a little baby. His name was Joshua. And Joshua came into our love's life, and all of a sudden, boop, I had more love in my heart. I still had the same love that I had for my wife, but now I have love in my heart for my son Joshua. Wow, I, man, how can I have any more love? Boop, we have another baby, Miss Jacqueline. So Jacqueline, I have, uh, uh, I'm undone as she's born. I see this little red-haired girl, and I'm just a big blubbery mess in the room. Just undone with how great God is and how much he loves us and how, that he would bless us. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I have a boy and a beautiful red-haired girl. Oh, I'm so blessed. How could I love? How could I, how could I hold any more love in my heart? Then we had Luke. <laughs> and I was undone again. And then we had Judah. And I was undone again. And then we had Abigail. And I was undone again. And then my kids started having kids. And I was undone of Samuel coming into our lives. And I realized that's the nature of God's love. The nature of God's love is to increase. Is to grow. Is to expand. That's perfected love. He's saying, when you keep on loving... When you experience the love of God and then you keep moving with that love and you keep expressing that love, that's perfected love. That's what perfected love looks like. It has to go forth. It has to increase. It has to affect others. That there will be no end to the increase of His love. Oh gosh, that's good. I like to even say that. So in the heavenlies, I'm still undone by his love. And I will forevermore be undone by more and more and more of his love. It's like the four living creatures just cannot stop saying holy, holy, holy. And they're not bored. And that's why they are covered in eyes. So that they can see more of the facets of the glory of God. Oh my, holy, holy, holy. Because they're just undone by it again. That's the nature of God. And he just, he, he creates us like this hot house or a greenhouse. My dad used to call them hot houses all the time. So you guys know what a greenhouse is, right? You put plants in there and it, it's all hot and, you know, humid, but it's made for growth. And it's just, it causes things to grow. 
causes about everything to grow, it seems like. And just, just everything is growing in there. But the nature of the hothouse is that it doesn't just stay in the hothouse, right? The, the whole point of the greenhouse is that you take these beautiful things that have grown up in this hothouse and you take them and you plant them in places where people go, oh my, look at those colors, those are beautiful. And that's the nature of the love of God in these greenhouses, in these hothouses. That God, God works and moves and churns and builds this love on the inside of us and we just can't contain it so we boop, here you go. And that we give this love to others because of all that God has done for us. Now, Finney had his effect on a lot of people. Finney had an effect on William and Catherine Booth, who grew up in England. They lived in, in London. And they, well, William Booth was a pastor. But he got a hold of, of just the heart of God and revival. And in fact, William Booth and Catherine uh, talk about repeatedly going through the writings, uh, the lectures of revival from Charles Finney. And so they would go through all of these, these revival uh, just uh, teachings and and looking at what God wants to do, and they would just be stirred. And uh, William Booth was, was a minister in the Methodist church for a while until he got kicked out because he was too excited, and he kept wanting to bring in people that, that really didn't fit the Methodist church. Um, but Booth, Booth had all kinds of different quotes, but he taught... Uh, that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the repentance of sin and the promise of holiness needed to be spread throughout the earth. But he taught it because his belief was that it would manifest, this gospel would manifest into a life of the love of God and the love of mankind. That he believed that this gospel of Jesus Christ would change his own heart, but it would change everyone else's heart. It would help me love God. It would help, help me love everyone else. When he was preaching, and he was preaching outside of a blind beggar's public house uh, on one of his tours, two missionaries invited him to preach at a tent mission in Whitechapel. A tent was set up in a Quaker graveyard. The date was July 2nd, 1865. The tent meeting was a success, and according to the history of the Salvation Army... Uh, Booth declared war on the powers of darkness. He founded an organization along these military lines, and his soldiers were desperately poor. Uh, and before their, per, before their con, uh, conversions, they were thieves, prostitutes, gamblers, and drunkards. They were converted, but the churches didn't want them. So Booth put them to work to save others like themselves. They preached, marched, sang in the streets as a living testimony to the power of God. Perfected love. 
One of the most effective weapons in General Booth's arsenal was fervent prayer. It was not unusual for Booth to hold an all night of prayer when he came to preach the word of God. People would flood the altars everywhere he went. The power of God was wonderfully manifest in the meetings and people were frequently struck down and overwhelmed with a sense of the presence of God. Booth, his battle cry, this is one of his battle cries, go for souls and go for the worst. Now, I don't think he meant because he thought they were the worst, but what society deems as the worst. He said, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to find them. The worst of sinners were saved. The worst of sinners. And we know there is no such thing. We are all the worst of sinners. Throughout the area, saloons were closed and entire cities were shaken. Booth's success attracted not only supporters but also enemies. There was actually a skeleton army that rose up to work against the Salvation Army and that wherever they would go, they would throw coal and rocks and that William Booth would come home just beaten and bloody And he would come home, and he said, and he would pray with Catherine, Lord, give us strength. And if we can't do this, we're just, what else else is worthy of doing? Perfected love, it can't just stay, right? Perfected love has to increase. Third thing, that God's love is perfected in mercy. And... I want to look at John 13 just real quick. John 13 real quick. Right, and so you know I'm already hitting on perfected love. Uh, Now, verse 1, chapter 1. I mean, verse 13, chapter... Verse thir- chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own whom were in the, lo- in the world, he loved them to the end. Guess what word is used here? He loved them completely. Teleos. Teleos. It's the same word. It's the same root. That he is, he is loving them to the uttermost. His perfect love is right here. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Wow! Isn't it interesting? You know, John didn't have to put that verse right there. He could have put it later on when he started talking about Judas. Why would he, why would he put this verse about Judas betraying Jesus right after he's describing his perfect love. Jesus is about to display his perfect love to the disciples, loving them to the end, loving them to the uttermost. And Judas was there, is what John is saying. (laughs) Isn't this good? That he's like, wait, I want you to catch this. I want you to understand. And we read, Oh, well, maybe Judas wasn't there. No, he was there. That Jesus, that he took off his cloak, he he wrapped himself, he got got the things to wash feet, and he washed the disciples' feet. Well, Jesus was just doing it with spite, right? No. Jesus was doing it with perfect love. 
He was loving Judas, who he knew was going to betray him. This is powerful to me, that there is incredible love that God has, that Jesus acts in this same mercy and compassion, loving the unlovable, loving the undeserving. Jesus, what a beautiful picture. And that even later on, it says, you know, he says when Peter begins asking John, hey, John, ask, ask Jesus, who, who, who is this? Who's, who's going to do this? And Jesus says, you know, he who, who dips his bread with me. In fact, it just says that he, he dips his bread and he gives it to Judas. Communion. Communion is the word koinonia. It means fellowship, means intimacy. Jesus is offering intimacy. He was just pouring out intimacy to Judas this entire time. And he wasn't doing it uh, as a hypocrite. He was doing it perfectly. He was doing it with perfect love. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of mine. Thank God. Thank God for God's great mercy. Ephesians 2, 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace you've been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by his kindness to us, the unloved in Jesus Christ. Paul was saying in Ephesians right here, he's saying, wow, the riches of God's grace and his mercy knows no bounds Think about the 24 thrones and the elders who sit around the throne. (laughs) Wow. I think, man, Peter, the one who denied him, is sitting up there. Thomas, the one who doubted him, sitting right on that throne. I mean, you, you could just say, well, did anyone deserve to be there? Absolutely not. But because of the riches of his mercy and grace... All of these are seated upon thrones. And in fact, what else? It says, we are seated. We are seated with Him in these heavenly places. God has lavished upon us. And in 1 Timothy 1.14, And the grace of our Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord overflowed to me along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus This is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And this is is Paul, right, talking to Timothy. He's saying, Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for this reason, I was shown mercy, that in me, the worst of sinners, right? This is what William Booth was saying. Let's go for the worst! So that in me, the worst of sinners, 
Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. That Peter is now seated in Christ in heavenly places. Right? The worst of sinners. That we get to see this same mercy extended to all of these that were around Christ, but then extended to the world that would call upon him. One other famous quote from William Booth. God loves with a great love the man whose heart is bursting with passion for the impossible. I love that quote. That's so good. And what I'm hearing too is that God loves, God, God loves with a great love the heart who is bursting with God's heart for others. To display God's kingdom. To display what God desires. Um, and so I, I, I can't leave Catherine out here. It says, Catherine also, one of her quotes, you're not here in the world for yourself. You have been, uh, you have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. Because the world is waiting for God's love. Right? So strong with Booth's prayer life that wherever he went, there was incredible manifestations. And he was riding a train one day, and the train stopped. Stopped right outside a factory. The factory had a break. There was the, everyone in the factory had left and, and were, was outside right by this train. Well, guess what? He began to preach. He said, some of you men never pray. You gave up praying long ago. But I'm going to say to you, won't you pray for your children that they may be different? Within minutes, 700 men were kneeling in prayer. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. That is good. Booth lived to 83, 83 years of age, continuing just as a just a Christian activist. He was preaching right up to about the day he died. It says in the, this last, last uh, message that he was giving, just as an expert excerpt, it says, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out, as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl on the streets, while there, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end to see God's love impact these people and draw them to himself. The four things, perfected love. God's love is perfected in its eternity. It just continues. It goes. It keeps going. Don't you love, and let me just point out this, in Lamentations. So the book of Lamentations. We have a book in the Bible of Lamentations. And these are Lamentations are from Jeremiah when he saw the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. He prophesied all the way up to this point. And in fact, Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible if you look at the words of books. That is the longest book in the Bible. And the longest book of the Bible is God calling Israel, please return to me. 
That's what God is saying. Please return to me. Please return to me. Because devastation is coming. If you don't return. So in Lamentations, he starts off, uh, he says... He says, how lonely sits the city full of people. So he gives you a picture. He is looking at the city while he is writing his lamentations. In the middle of the lamentations, which is a very Hebrew construction, which usually is the pinnacle uh, of literature, is you, you bring it to the pinnacle in the middle of a story. And that in the middle of Ecclesiastes, uh, not Ecclesiastes, lamentations, he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's seeing this over a destroyed city. What is he saying? Love doesn't stop. Love doesn't stop. It's not stopping here. The message says it this way. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I got left. Wow. I can hear Jeremiah saying that. I am sticking with God. I am sticking with his love. That his love is everlasting. It will not stop. Now Jesus actually tells us of this perfected love in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about uh, what God's love is like. And then he finally says to you, you you've heard, you know, love your, love your neighbors. Well, I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And then he goes on and he says, what does that even look like? Well, you know when somebody punches you in the face? Turn to him the other one also. Well, you know, if somebody steals your cloak, you know, give them your shirt. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go another mile with them. Be taken advantage of for the sake of love. Because if you love those who love you, what does that really show? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying perfected love is when you're loving the unlovely. Unlovely. You're loving the unlovable. You're loving the undeserving. God, thank you for loving me. I was unlovable. I was undeserving. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your perfected love on the cross. All who are thirsty, let them come, he says. Let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow this love that I extend by the Spirit that I've poured into him. Don't let it stop. Love. Love. Love is perfected in its eternity. That brings me just to a couple pictures that I want to show. That love doesn't stop. A love that, that continues on. A love that goes beyond. And I have a couple pictures, uh, or three or four pictures. The first picture I'd like to show is of Tanner Savage. You can put that up. And he's the 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit. 
This is at Kabul Airport, uh, uh, Karzai Airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. His parents saw this picture. Their response, we need to remember this and pray. <laughs> we need to pray. Pray for our soldiers. The next picture is Sergeant, uh, Marine Sergeant Matt Jaff. Yeah, I guess that's how you say his name. With, in the Marines, five years. He's actually Jewish. Infantry man, machine gun squad leader. That's him holding a baby. He says, I'm just a Marine, same as men and women I serve, uh, beside doing a good job trying to help people and protect people. His parents saw this picture, and they, his dad says, I, I, I believe it speaks to something higher. I think that the photo goes way beyond Matthew being our son. I think it's much bigger than that. I agree with you, Steve. It's a much bigger statement to everybody in the U.S. and around the world. <laughs> Marines are doing their job, and despite the perilous situation, I think it really brings a lot of humanity to the cause. It brings a lot of God, even. There's something greater. There's something more. Uh, the last, I have, I have maybe two pictures. Marine Sergeant Nicole Gee, 23. That's Nicole, and that, Nicole is standing up in that picture, and then her friend is, is seated, seated down there, both holding babies. These are all at the airport, at, at Karzai Airport in, in Kabul. She posted, she posted uh, on, I believe it was August 25th, I love my job. Yeah. August 26th is when a suicide bomber came into uh, came into the airport and Nicole was killed. She was 23 of Sacramento, California, was a maintenance technician with the 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit from Camp Lejeune in North, North Carolina. Sergeant Mallory Harrison, who lived with Gee for three years, wrote about how hard that her death hit her. I can't describe the feeling... I get when I force myself to come back to reality and I think about how I'm never going to see her again. Harris wrote on Facebook how her last breath was taken doing what she loved, helping people. And uh, yeah, you can just do that last picture. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Perfect love remains. Perfect love has permanence. Perfect love is tied to eternity. That gives me courage it gives me hope. And I am so thankful for Sergeant Gee that she would give her life in service for others. And she would make that statement. She would testify, doing what I love. Instead of, why am I here? What am I doing? Why, why am I 
being asked to help these people. He or she's testifying, this is what I love to do. Lord, help us to love the unlovely, the undeserving. Lord, let us, let us live in your perfected love. Father God, we just thank you this morning for your reminders of what your love looks like. Yes. A love that continues on, the love that truly is permanent. Father, I thank you that this testimony lives on for, for Sergeant Nicole Gee and for all these other the others that have given their lives. Lord God, I, I thank you. Father, I pray, just even as, as William Booth and he had his hallelujah army, his hallelujah army that became known as the Salvation Army, Lord, I, I pray that we would be just so inclined to be soldiers of love in these days where the enemy wants to steal love and just cause love to grow cold. Lord, I pray that ours would blaze hotter and hotter. I pray that our love uh, would be just even as a hot greenhouse full of just the saturation of all of the fire of your spirit and that we would see all of our relationships and we would look around us for opportunities to walk in this kind of teleos love, this perfected love. Not that we're perfect, but that you have put your love on the inside of us and we just give ourselves to your loving others through us. Just even as we have seen these pictures. Not looking for anything back We're just looking to display love. We're just looking to help. We're looking to protect. We're looking to see people made right with Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray you just continue to stir this love on the inside of us. Lord, let us hold these pictures in our hearts, oh God. If that's your heart's desire, I'm going to ask you to stand. I just want to pray for you. Seal these words. Father God, I just thank you. Thank you for your challenge to us. Father, I pray that those standing here, Lord, that we, will, we step out of this gathering today with eyes wide open. Lord, help us to see the brokenhearted. Help us to see those crushed in spirit. Help us to see those caught up in, in places where they never thought they'd end up. But they need help. And Father God, I pray that you give us, just by your Spirit, just wisdom and mercy and loving kindness and truth and grace to operate in these days and to see people being plucked out of hell because your heart of love is working on the inside of us. Jesus, we thank you that you've plucked us out of the fire. Father, I pray, I pray that you just continue just to show us to reach out, to grab hold, just to be your instruments in the earth. Father, let us, let us be your love, love in action. Let us be your perfected love. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
Thank you for all that you've given to us. I just bless each one right now in Jesus' name, and I thank you for them. May grace, peace, and mercy be with you both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.